You're listening to the Kanks Cast Podcast. New episodes are released weekly. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at KanksCast. Like on Facebook and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Kings cast with Eric and Ryan. This is your weekly Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy Smoke Shop on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. Uh, We're coming off of a brief hiatus, but we had an episode drop just a couple weeks ago. Um, at that episode, the Kings were coming off of a pretty nice run where they won a lot of games um since then it's not been great it's been a lot of losses kingsland's going crazy but we're here back today to have some fun to talk to you and we're looking forward to it um if you are looking for anything kings cast you can find our entire show catalog streaming where you find your podcasts uh, got a fun episode today it's going to be a kingsland episode so kingsland's a page that we started with our friend KC Yost. Um, So we brought him on today to talk about everything that's been going on on the Facebook page, all the hot topics in Kingsland, and just have a fun conversation. But before that, I'll bring in my co-host, as always, Ryan. What's good, bro? What's going on? It's been a few weeks since we have recorded. I'm super excited to be here. It's always a good time when KC comes on the pod. Um, Kings have been in a funk lately. We're going to talk about that. Um, We're going to talk about things going forward. And uh, yeah, let's get to it, guys. KC, dude, thanks for joining us, bro. What's going on, man? Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Always love uh, doing episodes, talking about the Kings. I know it's a frustrating time to be a Kings fan, but we've been talking about a lot of different topics in Kingsland, so happy to go over some of them um, with you guys here today. It's funny because people uh, people were like, I was talking to someone recently, like, you know, you do Kings cast, like, it's going to be tough, like, this losing streak, like, what do you talk about? And it's like, it ain't nothing new, you know, it, it, when we started Kings cast was a, was over a year ago, and the Kings have been bad for a long time, so it's it's always interesting, and the conversations are always fun um, around the Kings. I think what was funny was people started losing their mind, because like I mentioned on the intro, the Kings, what was what was the record? that They won like seven of eight at one point or something. Like they were on a nice streak. And people didn't even know how to react. So it's like, it seems like people find that comfort more in the losing, which is where we're at now. Um, which, you know, we, which is kind of, it's it's kind of crazy. So let's start off there, guys. I mean, we, we bring Casey on. We're trying to do about once a month. And we do these episodes based on just kind of the tone out there on our Facebook page, which is pr- probably one of the fastest growing Kings groups out there. Um, so if you're not on that, join that. But what, what's been the tone, Casey? You, you're, you're, you're the big admin on there, the moderator. What's some of the tone that's been going on? Because you had this big up, and then the last week and a half has been bad. So what are you, what are you feeling right now? Yeah, and I think it's it's been a roller coaster, right? And I, I've probably said this before uh, because it's it's not uncommon for fans to get really high in the highs of seven and one, and then get really low in the lows of zero and six. And 
you know, we see that in Kingsland. We see people talking about tanking, talking about firing the coach again. Um, at six games, you know, right after we went seven and one, looked like a playoff team. I think we were sitting in the sixth seed. It happens really fast. It's the NBA. You know, it's, it's kind of how it goes. And I, I keep trying to encourage people to take a step back out of the moment, look at the bigger picture. Um, this team is better than how we're playing recently. It's, it, you know, it, it circles back into a topic we've talked about in the past about not having depth. And once we have some injuries, you know, that weakness becomes very apparent to me. And I think to you guys too, um, that we can't afford to have people out. And maybe it's not that we're a horrible team with no talent, but when we have one or two starters out, we just don't have the depth and right. You know, for me, Walton doesn't know what to do with the rotations when those guys are out. It seems like he's plugging guys in here and there trying to figure it out. We saw some four guard lineups last night. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it's been a, a challenging stretch of games here without those guys. And I hope they come back soon. Uh, but, you know, I, I keep telling people, try not to be so in the moment. Look who's out. Look at the effect that they're having. Um, and the season isn't over. It's a long season. We, we can just as easily have a run the opposite direction. Yeah, you, you brought up something, you know, about the depth and, and one guy being hurt and all that stuff. And that's something that we've, you know, we have talked about. And, um, you know, it was just perfect timing. A couple of weeks ago, that was one of the main topics of our pod. And uh, look what happened. So Kings definitely, you know, I think we're going to go into it here in a little bit. But Kings really need to get healthy. They need the depth. And uh, but they, they are good enough to compete. We saw that, right? That seven and one stretch. They're good enough to compete with anybody in the league when they're healthy. Yeah, they won some key games, which we'll go into. Um, so I, I think started it off right here is, you, Casey, you've talked about the up and down and how people go so extreme. It's something Ryan and I have said on the, on the show. Like going into the year, when you're this type of tier of a team where you're like just outside of the playoff bubble with all those, you know, with all those teams in your tier, the season isn't full of great winning streaks where every week you're winning a majority of your games consecutive weeks over end you're going to have stretches where it's bad stretches where it's good a lot's because you play so many games in one week like if if one or two guys goes down that's three four games right there where you're you're op, you're kind of operating at a, a loss there right um so one of the things that i've been seeing and i want to see what you guys think a lot of people i'll, I'll give a shout out to aaron i think is i don't want to mispronounce his last name i think it's namukamara uh, he posts on there a lot and he he's good stuff he made a post last night and it was like he wanted to blame Buddy and, and they want to blame Walton. And that's one of the things that happens when the Kings start to lose is they, they, they want to, people want to point fingers to one player that they, they may not like or is probably struggling and say that's the cause for everything. Um, and I kind of was like, I disagree. Like now certain players aren't playing to a level we like or whatever. But honestly, like when you roll out there with lack of depth, you know, and on, and really just not complete lineups, you got to reassess those expectations and you can't blame any one person. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I think that that's spot on, right? A lot of people, like you said, when you start losing, everybody wants to point the finger and, um, you know, buddy, it, it's, man, it, it's hard. It's hard with the buddy healed situation because people really expect buddy healed and us too. They really expect a 20 point per game guy, right? And uh, it's just not working out for him this year. He's not, you know, he's not shooting to the best of his ability. He's not scoring um, to the best of his ability. But people don't give the guy enough credit to where he's improved his game all around. This year, I have, I have seen a more all-around Buddy healed. So um, I'm sure we're going to get to that, too. I'm not going to dive too deep. But 
a lot of people want to point the finger and I don't think it's right. I think it's a collective group. I think the one problem with Sacramento that stands out above all the rest is rebounding. And, you know, that, that's, that comes into depth that comes into, you know, especially when Rashawn Holmes isn't playing, um, you're, you're losing uh, seven rebounds right there, you know, and, and there's really nobody to fill that hole. And to add on to that defense too, right? When you lose Barnes, you lose Holmes. It's two of our better defenders on the team. Um, and we just can't stop anybody. We, we've seen it. We saw it against the Bulls last night. We see it every game, uh, especially since these guys have been out. We can have good offensive games. Buddy had a pretty good offensive game last night. But if we can't stop anybody, those games, they don't feel as impactful because you can score 20 points and lose. And, you know, you didn't play defense. That, that's ultimately going to be the reason there. But Buddy ends up still being the state scapegoat for a lot of people. Uh, because like you said, right, he's not, he's not playing to the expectation when we signed him, what those numbers could be. Um, but no, I, I agree. I think he's improved some other areas, not to the point where we'd like him to be, obviously. Uh, he still has a lot of room to grow as a defensive player. But um, yeah, I, I think the defense has, has been a big part of that to add on to what you said. The thing about, the thing about a team that's thin is that when you're thin and you don't have depth, uh, you're playing guys at a lot of minutes and you're limited in your lineup versatility of your lineups, right? And that's something I've always said. In the NBA, you have to have depth and versatility lineups to be able to match up each night. But when you don't have that, what happens is guys have to carry a lot more minutes and cross over into rotations that maybe they wouldn't if they had more players, if that makes sense. And that's and that's dangerous because then you start asking guys to play out of their skill set and what, what you need them for. And that's what happens with the Kings a lot is when, you know, it, oh, Buddy Hill, all of a sudden you're a shooting specialist. We want to use you in this type of way, but tonight we need you to do this. And it's like, okay, well, that, that might not look as good. Or, or Rashawn Holmes, you're this type of player that usually does this, but tonight we need you to do this, right? Or De'Aaron Fox, tonight we don't have anybody to take the pressure off to help you score, so we need you to start shooting more from the perimeter. Those types of things happen, right? When you're hurt, when you're tired, and you don't have the depth, and guys start playing outside of their skill set, and that's what you see. So, honestly, that's why I kind of wanted to bring this conversation with you guys because when you have when you roll with a lineup, and we're recording Sunday afternoon, when you, when you, record, uh, when you come out with a lineup yesterday where Corey Joseph started at small forward, you know, it's like, what do you, what do you, what are you going to expect there? And realistically, if you look at the box score at the end of the day, you could be frustrated at any single player. I mean, De'Aaron Fox didn't look great. You know, a lot of people didn't look great. No shit. It's going to happen. You know, so that's one thing I, I hold off on, like on deciding my opinion on one player when those are the lineups, when those are the depth. Well, I was comparing the lineups yesterday and just looking at the Bulls lineup versus us when we were playing some of those four guard sets. I was looking and they had Wendell Carter Jr. in there, Thaddeus Young, Patrick Williams, Levine, and then White, who isn't a big player. But you look at Levine down, those are lengthy guys. You know, we're playing four guards against guys that can go out and and cover the floor because of their length and their um, their size. And I, I thought that was, that's been a huge thing for us that we – I know we've been tweaking with the rotation because people have been out, but I, I haven't liked the tweaks that we've made. I think that there are some better things that we could be doing with the rotation that wouldn't kill us in that area that I saw against Chicago last night. Have you guys seen that as well? Or, you know, what's your thought on that? Yeah, well, the, all right. So you brought up the length and stuff real quick. So this is something that's been Sacramento's problem since last year, right? Eric, Eric always points out the Orlando game in the bubble last year and just how physically Sacramento wasn't capable of having a lineup that can meet up with that. And I think that's where we were, where we're at last night, right? Like when you don't have Barnes, you don't have Holmes. 
honestly, I don't think there's much that you're going to do um, to to match the length and the physicality of, of a Chicago Bulls team like that, right? Like, what do you you know? The, that's why I think Corey Joseph was there because I think they were just trying to. Um, they realized. I think Walton realized. Okay, we're not going to be able to match the length. We're not going to be able to match the physicality or the depth. Okay, so let's try to throw a. Uh, um, you know, something, a trick out there pretty much. And let's try to find a mismatch and see if this three guard lineup could work. Um, but as far as the lineups, when we're not healthy, dude, we're not going to be able to match up with anybody. That's just what it is. That That's why I think we've been getting these crazy lineups. And I, I, we need everybody. Um, I, I would have liked to see, honestly, like people would hate on this, but I would have liked this, them to go in. I would, I would have liked them to go big. Like, why not? Why not go Hassan Whiteside, Marvin Bagley, Bielisa, Buddy, buddy deer and fox why not but it didn't happen and it's not going to happen you know but whatever they so one of the things ryan and i did an episode in the offseason kc and we talked and one of the topics is i put out there is i think small ball is kind of fake it's something like not entirely but like you have to have certain special players to be able to do that is it was was kind of our point on that and and if you look at it, a lot of the good teams are huge. Like last year, the Lakers were fucking huge. Like they were huge, you know. And a lot of good like good teams are huge. Uh, the Nuggets. I mean, they played they played Paul Millsap and Jokic together last. You know, Jeremy Jeremy Grant, who's like six nine. Yeah. So a lot of teams are 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 big. It's not small ball as in playing a bunch of guards. It's small ball in that you have versatility one through four. Maybe your center has some of that skill set, the stretch skill set. But that's not always the case, you know. And it does seem to me that there's this. Uh, and I made a post in Kingsland about this case. So I'll ask you because I know Orion stands. Is that why is there this reluctance to to play um, to go big? You know, there were there was that game a couple a couple maybe last week. I off the top of my head, I don't know. But I, like, why why did they not start Hassan Whiteside and Holmes? I said and just go out there and bang. Like, why not? Like, Rashawn Holmes is a power forward, really. Just go out there and bang. And why do you think they're not doing that? What's up with that? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something I've been asking myself all year. It, it's got to be, you know, it's how Walton is looking at it. I, I think he is using a lot of what he took from Golden State to, you know, think about the rotations that he wants to use here. And, you know, he's not playing these big guys together. Last night was even the first time that we had seen Hassan and Bagley start together, or really play many minutes at all. I had said it in the uh, game discussion thread. You know, we have not seen Bagley and Hassan on the floor together for extended minutes. And um, to bring up Aaron again, you know, me and him were talking throughout the whole game on, you know, this is what they just did. That looked okay. This is what they did uh, between those two guys playing together. And it must just be how Walton is looking at it and the experience that he's gotten along the way coaching. It's not, I don't know that he's ever gone big anywhere. They weren't really big in LA when he was there. Uh, They weren't big in Golden State when he was there. I, it just m- must not be his philosophy is, is kind of what I'm thinking. You know, I, I'm looking at it right now. I just brought up the the box score. Dude, th- this is the problem right here. You got Corey Joseph who started and played 36 minutes and literally had no effect on the game. Two points, one assist. All right, cool. You got seven rebounds, all right? He, you're not shooting threes. You're not playing defense. You're not putting, uh, you know, the other team in any type of position to really honor what you're doing. And that comes off and that, that's where people, you know, you want to get upset at Buddy Heald. You want to get upset at Darren Fox if they're playing well. You know, go look at it, dude. That Nobody respects Corey Joseph on the offensive end. So that's going to come into Buddy. People are going to tend, you know, their tendency is going to be to sag towards Buddy and they're going to contest shots. They're not going to let him get open shots coming off screens and stuff. Um, it's just ver- versatility lineups, dude. You know, be Elisa last night. Why are you only playing 12 minutes? 
You know, we're, we all know Bielisa is getting traded, but you're supposed to be showcasing the guy, especially when the team's hurt. You need to play him. You know, we're on a, on a huge skid right now, and we're still in playoff contention. You need to play these guys, dude. It's, it's really upsetting to me. It really is. Now that I'm actually looking at the box score, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, that thing about Corey Joseph, because we've had a lot of people that like to defend Corey Joseph on Kingsland. You see in these, Casey? Like, people want to defend him, and, and I don't think people realize what he's getting paid and how that compares to a lot of other players in the league and how much of a that holds back the, the Kings cap situation and flexibility. It really did in this offseason. Their inability to keep Bogdanovich, you could directly blame that towards Corey Joseph. Um, last night, you know, Hassan White gets this, Hassan Whiteside gets the start, but he only plays 16 minutes. <laughs> you know, what's up with that? Just, just roll, just roll out there. What do they got to lose? It's like they, they play, they coach and go out there with these super cautious, cautious lineups. And, and it's like, well, you know that's not going to work, but it's like, yeah, but I feel comfortable and I'm safe going out there. No, it's not going to work. Instead of going out to do something different, you're going to, you know, last night it wasn't working from the beginning. Anybody who watched that game knew that. It's kind of ridiculous, dude. Why is Corey Joseph playing more minutes than, than Halliburton? Like I get Halliburton played 33 minutes, but there's no reason that Corey Joseph should be getting 36 minutes. I don't care what your, what your lineup status is. He doesn't deserve 36 minutes on the NBA team. He doesn't. It, it, that's just, it's not right, dude. You can't win. You can't win basketball games when Corey Joseph plays 36 minutes, dude. It's not going to happen. I, I agree. And it's, you know, it's even one thing to play him 36 minutes in the point guard position that he's used to, that he's playing his whole career. It's another thing to play him 36 minutes out of position the entire game, maybe at the two or the three, where, you know, he's not as comfortable playing in that position. And, and we're really not going to get as much out of him by playing him out of position. So why? It just seems like we're trying to force something there because we need defense. He's a, a known defender. I don't think he's been playing that good a defense, but that's that's kind of the explanation that I get to in my mind as to why they're playing him that much. It's really the only thing I can think of. It, it goes. I think it's what I said. It's, it's just that comfort level. They, they know they're not going to go in there and fuck it up, even though they know that it's not going to go in there and work. They know they're not going to fuck it up. I, I should say this real quick. We're recording this Sunday afternoon. There is a game tonight, so a lot of people might catch Kang's cast uh, this episode drop before then, but a lot of people are going to listen um, after the fact. So I'm hoping that tonight's game, they come out with something different. I haven't heard anything yet. It's a little too early, but I wanted to say that before we got any further in here. Let's talk a little bit. Let's have a more fun, though, before I ask you guys a, a question that someone asked us. So let's talk about the stretch before, the fun stretch, where they were winning a lot of games and where it was exciting and people got excited. Now, before we go into this, it's crazy how many people are like, on Kingsland, like they want to be so mad, you know, and, and they want to be, and not even just our page, just like the media, like anytime that I had, I had a couple guys from the Kings Herald and some guy from some other writing thing. I, I don't know. I forget, but he tagged me after the Kings lost and was like, you know, basically saying, ha ha. Like, I'm like, dude, like, are you a fan, man? I'm like, we're out here trying to have a good time. Like we're trying to hear a root for this team and you guys are hating on it. But anyway, the the winning streak was was fun and it was great to see because they, they didn't they, they they beat real opponents during that stretch they beat the Celtics at one point um, they beat the I know that they beat the Nuggets <laughs> right um, they beat the Raptors Clippers. they the Clippers yeah and the Pelicans so a lot of good wins let's talk about that what was a fun thing for you Casey some things you liked about that stretch and is there hope that we can see it again. 
Yeah, I, th- I think it shows the the potential that our group has. You know, it, I was getting to a point in that stretch of games where I'm saying, look, guys, this is this is why we didn't fire Luke Walton last year. We needed some time uh, for them to really get some repetitions as a healthy team to show what they can do. And I thought that that was it. Now, you know, since then, we've had some injuries and we've lost that and we've looked really bad since then. Um, but during that stretch, I thought that that was really the the shining light on the potential that this group has and could, can reach together if they stay healthy. And even with Luke Walton as a coach, and I know a lot of fans get frustrated with him, I just think that that, that is where we can be and where we should con- continue to push towards. It was, man, it was fun being 7-1. and one. Was it, Wasn't that a fun yeah, time? Kingsland was awesome, it, man. <laughs> it, so it, it's great, but that just proves right there, right, that Sacramento can compete with anybody. That stretch, we were healthy. Our guys were playing heavy minutes. Darren Fox hit that, you know, during that stretch, that's really where everybody was like, okay, Darren Fox has made that all-star level. He's, he's up there with the top guards in the league. And, um, you know, it, it, it's like we've been saying all year, though, man, depth, dude. Sacramento has no depth, and it's starting to show. But when healthy, dude, this is why we, we've been against tanking, because we think if when our starting five is healthy, that we can compete with anybody in the league. And we, there's no possibility of Sacramento being a, a bottom five team when healthy. You know, when everybody's, when everybody's in the lineup, they have that much talent. Um, so hopefully we get back to it. Hopefully that these injuries that these guys are having right now is more just rest. I think that's what it is. I, I think they're just trying to rest, and they've, they've all played a lot of minutes. Um, so hopefully in the next few days, everybody comes back and we can get on a little streak again. The, let's, let's go into that. Let's talk about tanking. Let's talk about tanking, guys. I don't know. I wasn't going to go here, but it's it's probably one of the most popular conversations in in the Kingsland page and on Twitter, you know. And uh, we're all advocates of no tanking, but I, I think this is a good conversation for us because it doesn't mean that we're we're idiots. We're not idiots, you know. We're not blind to what's going on, and we're not we're not overly optimistic, right? It's not where we're, it's a place we're coming from. We're just like. We're fans, number one, so we do want to see them do well. And we, we think that they can compete. And I think that that stretch showed that. That stretch of winning games did show that. Um, Ryan Jameson, who, who comments on our pages a lot, he's he's really cool. I like that guy. He drops good stats. He's good in the comment threads. Um, he posted something last night, and I was like, well, the front office just di- didn't do this team any favors coming into the year. you know. And I think we all could see that. In our preseason preview, we, Ryan and I both said that the Kings would just, just just be outside of the playoff picture because of the lack of depth, and we just felt like if they had, like, NBA players – and we talk about it every week, you know. If they didn't have a bunch of G League players playing um, for them, <laughs> you know, and they filled that with NBA, NBA talent, if they weren't wasting Bielisa and, and Guy and Parker roster spots, like, they could be more competitive. I think that's what we want to see, and that's all we wanted to see, right? So – I'll ask you guys this, and it relates to tanking. You guys have a conversation about this. Um, somebody asked us, guys. Uh, let me pull up his name. His name is James Conrath. He's like, what's the realistic goal should be this season since there is a consistent flip-flopping between playoffs and firing everybody here? So, like, what's the realistic goal based on how we feel from here on out? So, I'll go first. A realistic goal is you got to keep getting better, okay? You can't put Darren Fox, the future of your – of your franchise um in a constant role of losing dude that that 
it didn't work with DeMarcus Cousins. You know, they, they continuously tried to lose. They tried to fill the roster with, uh, you know, as best as they could. But they, they have this core now, okay? And they, they have Halliburton, who's, you know, we really like and has panned out. They have Marvin Bagley, who's really starting to hit his stride. And uh, they have Buddy Heald under contract, you know. like So you have four solid guys right there that moving forward can compete. And I really think that you need to invest in those guys and you need to go out there and have those guys compete every night and not try to lose, dude, that you, you got to get the losing culture out of here. And, uh, you know, a lot of people want to bring up, Oh, well we could get, you know, we need a tank for Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley or, you know, Jalen Suggs. Do you see what he's doing? Like the guy in the G league. Right. And everyone's just like, you see what these guys are doing. And it's like, yeah, dude. And I always point this out. It's all great. Cool. That, you know, that's the, that's the mock drafts top five right now. Okay, but last year, like I said, um, you know, Cole Anthony was the was the number one player coming out and in the mock drafts and look where he went. Um, So you just never know what the future holds, especially with prospects. So I think Sacramento with those four guys needs to go forward and they need to play those guys lots of minutes. All right. I, I think Halliburton needs to play more minutes than Corey Joseph every single night from here on out. I don't think that's any type of question. Um, And I think you need to try to win. I, I think you need to put those guys in position to succeed. Yeah. So for me, you know, the goal, my goal has not changed. I'm still shooting for one of the last spots in the playoffs or the play-in game. And I've talked to a lot of fans about this in Kingsland about, you know, the benefit that you receive in just even making it into uh, the first round of the playoffs or being in the play uh, play-in game. There's a lot of benefit that the organization receives and the image on Sacramento uh, that they receive by just making the playoffs, you know, players will be more willing to come here. Good coaches would be more willing to come here. It's really a brand recognition thing for Sacramento that making the playoffs or even being in the play-in game this year um, would give to our organization. I think that's huge. You know, being an organization that's been so bad for so long, you know, I had somebody in the group yesterday tell me, and I don't know that he's wrong, but we're the Cleveland Browns of the NBA, right? And, And the way to get out of that is to win, even if it's small steps, winning a couple games in a playoff series, barely making uh, the playoffs. Those are small steps here. And it would show that our, our young guys are moving in the right direction. And, you know, to speak on tanking, if you guys don't really know where I sit on tanking yet, then you kind of been under a rock in Kingsland because I've been pretty vocal about it. Um, but we're not going to continue to improve if we sell off our good players for draft picks. We're never going to be a good defensive team. If we keep relying on young guys to come in and be good defenders, we've seen it with Fox. We've seen it with Bagley and Halliburton is a good defender, but it's rare, right? Normally guys take two, three, four years to come in and be able to guard pros like in the NBA. So it's, it's going to be hard for us to improve our weaknesses if we continue to rely on draft picks and, and going younger and younger each year. Um, that that's that's kind of my take on the goal for this season and then I had to f- uh, fill in a little thing in there on tanking yeah well we can continue that conversation real quick because it's something Ryan and I have held off for a couple weeks on really diving in on and so we can do it because it is such a hot topic and because you if you if you come out with that a uh, no tanking take on Kingsland like I said at the beginning of the question people automatically assume that you are you think you think this team is way better than they are or you're unrealistic or, you know, you're biased and that's not the case. It's comes from a place more like what you said, Casey, about getting the stink off. Ryan has said it on here. We are the Cleveland Browns of, of the NBA. And 
maybe worse, to be honest with you. I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know, you know, but um, nevertheless, that's the way that they're viewed. And it's, it's tough because I get where people are coming from because when you're a bit, generally when you're a bad team and you have some trade assets, you do flip them and you take on a bad contract and get first round picks. Like that's a way to build a team. The problem here is that that would have been a great strategy like three years ago, you know, but when you, when you sign Darren Fox to a max contract extension, and then you have some key players here who aren't that old, like they, I mean, people are, they don't match the timeline right now. There's two different timelines. There's a, this year for the next three-year timeline, and then there's a post the three years from now. And for the next three years, Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald, and they could be a part of this because they're still in their 20s. They still are, and their contracts are de-escalating. And realistically, in a year or two from now, one of those guys could get flipped, and we probably would, would ask for that at some point. But for right now, it's not needed. And that's where we come from, where you have the guys on destiny contract, just fill out the roster. Your cap situation is pretty good. It is good. There's no long-term things here besides the, honestly, the only one that's like bad is Corey Joseph. He has a guaranteed 12 million next year from, you know, and that's the one that sucks. Besides that, the contracts are not bad because they're de-escalating and the other guys are tradable, you know, and if they decide to trade one person and that's the thing too, and I know you guys feel this way. I'm open to trading anybody, anytime. Besides Aaron Fox, because I just don't think that you need to. There's no value back, honestly. What are you going to get back to match that? But any other player, I will trade if it what makes them better. And that's the, that's where we come from. Just because it, because of the cap flexibility, because of the the draft picks that they are still intact going into the offseason, which has been a problem last bunch of years where they didn't have draft picks. Like they they're going to have the ability to do those things, you know. And so. It's it's an it's an interesting thing, and people just want are okay with that. Let's go backwards, and I don't know, guys. Have you you tell me a team that's not like the Lakers, who had the ability to sign free agent uh, LeBron James like that, that has just basically tank, tank, tanked, and then made it to the top. I mean, the only I guess the seventy six ers I guess you could make that argument, right? Yeah, but, but it doesn't but really how, happen going backwards no, like this. No, but how long did it take the 76ers? And we've talked about this before. How many failed draft picks did they have? Right? Like they had, you know, you brought it up. Dario Saric, right? Jalil Okafor, Nerlens Noel. Like Fultz. those are, yeah. yeah. Markel Fultz was the number one pick in the draft. Where's he at now? You know? So, you know, a lot of people, they, they think that the only way is, all right, we got to tank. We got to get this top five pick. Honestly, that is luck. That it, it's, it's extremely lucky for you to get it in the lottery and then build your whole team through the lottery. That's not how it's done. Okay. Sacramento has gotten lucky with Marvin Bagley, Darren Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. So now you need to go put those guys in a position to succeed. And the way for those guys to succeed is to have guys like Harrison Barnes around, you know, to have depth, you know, to, to, um, you know, to get these guys winning games, teach them how to win. You know, there, there's something valuable about having uh, a Harrison Barnes who's won a championship, you know, who's still playing at a really high level. And I think that's a mistake that people make with Corey Joseph. And everybody wants to say, uh, you know, how Corey Joseph is, oh, he's a great veteran presence in the locker room, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, is he though? Because I'm not in the locker room, okay? I, I'm not in the locker room. You're not in the locker room. So we really don't know. So you got to look at what they're bringing on the court 
And Corey Joseph isn't bringing that same thing on the court that Harrison Barnes is. So you need to surround those young guys with guys like Harrison Barnes who, uh, you know, are producing and they're not hindering our cap flexibility going forward. The Sixers are the golden standard example there, right? Everybody's just saying that they're, they rebuilt through the draft. They tanked. How many guys on the team do they have right now that they drafted? Embiid and Ben Simmons. Two. That make an impact, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and beat him and, and beat him Ben Simmons, you know. Yeah, like so you could we, talk I, I guess you could talk about like Matias Thibel, but it's like, yeah, whatever, dude. You're 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 playing what, fifteen minutes a night, you know? Yeah, and, and that's how it goes though. You you get one, two, or three and you build around those guys. You bring in other vets, you know, you make trades to bring in pieces that you think fit well with them. And if we can sit here and believe that Fox is that guy, Halliburton can be that guy for us, Bagley can maybe be that guy for us, then we have our draft picks. We don't need to add three or four or five more on the team to, to continue to move in the right direction. It's about putting the right pieces around those guys, helping them grow and helping them take the steps to move for us to move forward. That's yeah, money, yeah that, that's good. That's good, dude. That's money, Casey. That's, and that's what was on my mind. I'm glad you went there. That's why I like bringing you on, Casey, because you, you, you dropped that. You dropped the points. You know what I mean? Another thing about just to take more jabs at the Sixers, Michael Carter-Williams was the rookie of the year for them. <laughs> like, that's another guy during all that, that tank streak. But you, you made the good point. Once the 76ers, once they, uh, they started making that next step, what did they do? They went and got Jimmy Butler. Like, boom. Like, yeah. we're going to make it. And then they, boom. We Tobias went, Harris. We went and got Tobias Harris because we, boom. That's what you do. And you make the great point. You, the guys are already here. And that's why I started this conversation saying three years ago, before, instead of trading for Harrison Barnes at that time, maybe that might have been the time where you could take on a mm-hmm. shit contract, get a first-round pick, roll, roll with this average lineup and suck last year. And then this year, you kind of figured out. But... Now's not the time. Like you said, you have a guy in De'Aaron Fox who's ready. That motherfucker's ready. And he is good. And he's on a max contract that's going to kick in. And, and there's no need to go backwards. And then, like you said, Halliburton is just going to get better from here. And Bagley's going to keep better from here. And we have a conversation on the table about Bagley. I'll save that. But we want to talk about that, right? After that, you, you use the draft picks that you have to fill, to fill out your roster. And because they're cheap. They're cheap. If you can go get a, these wing specialist guys who can – people like to – for some reason in Kingsland, Matisse Thibel has, like, been the gold standard for – in conversations. Matisse Thibel, uh, he averages three points a game, and he plays 18 minutes a game, you know? And you know what he is for them? He's a guy that they drafted a little bit later, and he can come in and play situationally. He can play whatever role, and boom, he's in the back, and he's cheap. And so if the Kings go out this year and they just draft whoever falls to them and they draft them and then they pay their guys, keep their guys here, sign one or two guys, guess what happens, fellas? Guess what happens? Um, they're going to be ready to compete next year because they have some depth and their cap's looking good. And then once they really feel aggressive, then they can package a player or two. And then that's where you start getting a little bit crazy. And you go get a guy like the Sixers did with Tobias Harris. That's where you, that's where you're the Indiana Pacers and you can sign a Malcolm Brogdon and just feel, you can do shit like that when you, when you have, when you're at that level. So that's where we're coming from. And, and really going backwards would do nothing. The team, if you guys have noticed, and this is the weird thing, I'm going to ask you guys this. Okay. Are you guys noticing that the front office clearly by their actions has done no favors and they clearly know where it's going. And then you have fans who just want to go backwards, but they're, they're crazy. Some of the people, the, the media, I guess, but then you have the team. And when the team loses, it seems like there's a lot of pride. Like they want to win. They don't want to lose. Like a lot of the quotes that come out. I like, I watch a lot of the post game stuff. Like they're pissed off. There's, 
there's some pride that goes into that. I don't think they, they it would I don't think it would land very well if they went backwards. Well, you do you think you know would Darren would Darren Fox want to be here for that? You know what I mean? That's where you're going to start having issues, dude, where you start going backwards, dude, and you never know, you know, guys want to win, especially Darren Fox who's entering his prime, you know, Buddy Heald who's in the prime right now and guys like Harrison Barnes who's in the middle of his prime. Are they going to want to be here for that? You know, like I, I think those guys are here because they think that they can take it to the next level. And if you go backwards, you're going to start having a lot of disgruntled people. You know, a lot of people didn't like DeMarcus Cousins because he was disgruntled. Well, I, I would I would bet you that that was because they weren't winning. You know, he was around a, a losing ass culture with a bunch of coaches that, you know, didn't like him. He, he you know, you, you put the guy in a bad position and you can't do that to Darren Fox, dude. You got to win games. You got to continue to get better because your culture ends up being shitty and you end up having bad locker room guys, cancers, right? Casey, if the Kings traded everybody worth anything right now, how long, how long would it take to develop the guys and make it back? What do you think? I mean, like, it's a great question. It, it's hard to even know. It, it would be a guessing game, right? One, we hope the guys that we, we do draft, if we got some picks, turned out to be good. And if they did, it would still be three-ish years before we're, we're looking at anything solid. And that's if, probably more, yeah. Probably more if, if those guys turn out to be good players even and, and can develop with the Kings. And we hope that they don't leave before they develop. So there's just a lot more risk that's associated to that side of it, in my opinion. So do you, do you think, have we said our piece about tanking and made our point, guys? Is there anything I, left? I think, we, I think it's pretty clear. Just we just want to win. Don't need to blow it up. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's going to be a constant thing. And you know the thing that's unfortunate is if the Kings keep doing what they're doing right now and they're hurt and they don't make any acquisitions to beef up the bench, um, they're, they're probably – not going to finish they're not going to make the playoffs you know they're not let's keep it real and then it, it, those people out there are just going to say see 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 you know we should have done this and it's just it's irritating um but whatever man i'm going to ask kc this because it falls in line with a with a similar same conversation we just had kc um i've seen you i don't know if you've made the post or if people had made the post on kingsland and, and you've interacted but i've seen you involved in a lot of them and people say is it is it important that De'Aaron Fox makes the all-star team this year? Like, it, does it really matter? Um, what do you think about that? What's your take? Yeah, so I have made some posts like that, and it seems like people are pretty down the middle with that question. So, it, you know, it's a good question. And the way that I've answered it in the past is that it's, it's the same answer that I think the benefit would come in making the playoffs and the image that it brings to the team. It would bring that image to De'Aaron Fox himself, right? When some of these superstars, and we're in a, a league where not everybody's as loyal as they once were, people are willing to move around and go to where there's a good opportunity. And when people are a free agent and looking for that opportunity, they say, well, this guy made the all-star team. Maybe I want to go play with him. And I, I, I just think that that is something that, that coaches look at, players look at, and free agents look at when they're looking to make decisions on where they want to go. And the Kings being, you know, an the eighth seed get knocked out early and Fox making an all-star team. That's something that like you guys said earlier, right? It's, it's the Pacers level where they can add a, a couple players and that'll push them forward. Um, but, it, but it's about making people in the league want to come and play with De'Aaron Fox and an all-star game only helps with that. I, I, I get people's takes about, you know, that it doesn't matter. It's a COVID season, you know, they can get, 
sick, they can get hurt, the game doesn't matter. That's true. But the accolade is what matters here. The all-star game accolade is is what is important and the value that, that it would bring to De'Aaron Fox. Well, one of the things that pisses well people off is, is uh, John Morant, you know, and John Morant versus Fox. And John Morant gets why, – why does John Morant, guys, why does John Morant get the benefit of the doubt, the love – over Darren Fox. I mean, this year he played probably a third less of the games than Darren Fox. His stats are lower. Um, it's not like the Grizzlies have been any better than the Kings had the last two years. What's what's up with what? Is it just public perception? I, yeah, I think he's. I think he's a little flashy. Um, I I think that you know him being the number two pick and in that draft with Zion, where it was really him and Zion, um, you know, coming out of the draft, there was a lot of hype about it. And they came out last year, and they played pretty well. Like, he, he was effective as a rookie, you know, 18 and 8. Well, you know, guess what? It's year two, um, and he's putting up the same stats, you know. And, and people were thinking that John Morant was going to make this huge jump. And in reality, De'Aaron Fox is the one who's made the jump. So I really, you know, there, there was that quote. Who was that guy on ESPN that, that said that uh, John Morant is who De'Aaron Fox thinks he is? Like, it's shit like that right there that, you know, you, you want Darren Fox to get in the All-Star game because you want him to have that respect. Dude, people don't respect him. And it, it's ridiculous that they just give a pass to John Morant, that people give this pass to a LaMelo Ball, who I, I, I think is really good. But certain guys who come out get this pass. And um, I think it's important for Darren Fox to get in the All-Star game, dude, because I, I think that he deserves that pass. And I think that he deserves to be looked at as one of the best young guards in the league. Um, and just to put things into perception, into perspective, uh, perception, perspective. John Morant's like 18, eight and three perspective. Yeah. Oh, 18, eight and three. Uh, you know, Darren Fox is what? 23, 7.8 and three or something like that. So his stats are better. He has played more games. Um, and I, and honestly, I, I think Darren Fox is just better. So, uh, yeah, let's get Darren Fox in the all-star game. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, and that's but that's what happens though. You play in Sacktown. That's what people think of him. Um, a, an example back on Casey's point about uh, if some if a guy makes an All Star team, maybe a guy's more inclined to join. It just changes a lot of things. And it honestly, when a guy when a guy makes an All Star team, it puts a little bit of urgency on your front office to it wakes them up a little bit. Okay, fuck, we gotta, we need to do something. We need to like get off our ass and do something now. We can't just be cool because if you have a guy who is an all-star, if like if De'Aaron Fox is, ends up averaging 23 points a game and he's looking like a stud and he's getting national recognition and all that, like it's kind it's kind of hard to be like, well, we're going to trade everybody and tank the next three years. And yeah, you can't do that because that's what happened with Devin Booker. You know, Devin Booker was a guy who was, their team sucked. And they were constantly picking in the top. I mean, they went in that one year. They had they were top three. They draft Josh Jackson. You know, was that his name? The, the wing from Kansas. They draft yeah. DeAndre Ayton. They go inside. They try these things, and it's not working. And it got to a point last year by the trade deadline where it was public. It was on TNTs. I mean, I remember Draymond Green went on and said, "Hey, uh, he needs to get the hell out of Phoenix. <laughs> like, you know, a guy like that needs to get out of here. And that's the conversation that happens when a guy becomes an all-star and they start having 50 point games and they start doing this flashy shit. It, there's a sense of urgency and outside pressure. Well, um, guys so like Chris Paul say, maybe I want to play with that. Maybe I'll go to Phoenix and sign a contract with them and want to play with Devin Booker. He's an all-star. He's somebody that I can do something with. 
And same that's same all it thing is. happened with Fox. Vet- yeah, veterans like Jay Crowder come to Phoenix. You know what I mean? Who are who are good defenders, three point shooters. You know, it's all good points, and that's why the I guess these two topics back to back right here just kind of really show our whole viewpoint towards everything. You know, and um, I think that people. Why do people not think that? Why do you know? I'll, I'll call out these local writer blog sites, Casey. What? What? Why do you think they're missing this? point because to me it's pretty obvious i think you know well for me i i've always thought that these guys they they fit into the column of if we write on losing and expecting to lose we're more than likely going to be right you know it's way easier like you said to tag you in a post and be like man i told you we were going to lose to say man i think we could win this is what we need to do to win and when it doesn't happen you're wrong you know, I'd rather be on that side of it than playing it safe and saying, you know, we're probably not ever going to be good. And when we're not good, you say, well, I'm right. I know everything. You know, that's that's kind of what I think when I end up talking with these guys. They're not trying to look at it in a way of where can we improve? This is what we need to do. It's it's kind of a dwell in the sorrow thing is is what I've been seeing. Friend of the show, Chris B. Uh, I always give him the I give him the shout out. Ryan, you you stole his take once, and he's like, "Hey man, you didn't you give me the shout out?" But Chris Chris told us he said he said uh, you know that that these guys they've only covered losing teams, and that's become kind of like a popular take now in Kingsland. Everyone everyone's been saying that too now is that uh, they've only covered losing teams, so it's where it's where their niche is. And and you had Carmichael Dave, he posted I think his post ended up on our Facebook group just at the beginning of the season. I don't think he posted. Someone shared it, and he made this whole write up about how I like to see things the glass is half full and because I never want to set expectations because at the it's like you're saying Casey it, I'll be pleasantly surprised at the end and, and if not then like what a miserable way to look at life I feel like there you know it's just it's just ridiculous it was so. a it was a glass it was a glass half empty right that's how he liked to see yeah, it yeah so it it's like wow up, dude surprised yeah it was it was really it was really pathetic dude like that that's kind of a it was kind of depressing i remember we talked about on here like damn, that's a kind of depressing ass way to look at the world dude like you know oh. well, i just want to be surprised i don't want to i don't want to have my expert i don't want to be disappointed it's like damn that's dude that's cover kinda, your ass ugh. take man that that's is it, a cover dude. your that's ass it. take it is it, man. I'm glad that's a good take, KC. I'm I, I definitely I like that, man. And it's um and it it is true. It's that cover their ass taken. But that's the problem. And so I I guess talking about Kingsland, since we're on here and, and I'll say it, just because we're pushing to be better, just because we're somewhat optimistic, it doesn't mean that we're blind. It doesn't mean that we're I've said it on the show that we're unrealistic. It's just there's more depth and nuance to it, and it's tough to get out on on there. Um, KC, was there, what was, what was some, any other things, some key things that's been going on in Kingsland that you've been seeing anything that we you feel we, we still have on the table that we have now the opportunity to address? Yeah, no, I think that there, there's one more comment, um, in the, the Kings cast post that I did that I wanted to bring up and I, I really hope I don't butcher your name here. It's, uh, Remy do Sealy Mueller. Uh, you know, he had asked us if we could predict a move or two that we can see McNair, making before the deadline not something that we'd like to see but something that we think is extremely likely to happen um you know before the deadline here so you know ryan i'll I'll kick it over to you first on that one okay so something that mcnair not not something that we want i i think a real um i i think mcnair realizes that 
it's it's the only explanation I got for Corey Joseph playing 36 minutes is I think that he's trying he I think a real goal of his is to move that 12 million dollars I, I really think that um that and Bielisa outside of that I don't see him making too many moves maybe maybe white side to a contender you know especially now that the Lakers and Anthony Davis is is banged up um Maybe Whiteside to a contender. Outside of that, I think McNair is going to stay pat, dude. I don't, I don't think there's much outside of those. And I think Bielis is the only one who's for sure gone. Outside of that, I don't see much happening at all. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I've said that I think that Belly's going to be the guy that's going to be moved. I, I doubt mm-hmm. it'll be him by himself, whether that be with the Corey Joseph contract. I think that's something we're all um, hoping for. But it could easily be, you know, one of our bench guys that – um, maybe hasn't been developing the way that we thought. Um, you know, James w- would be the guy we've already tried to trade him once. Maybe we package him with Belly and a, and a second round pick. Um, I, I think that's the most likely move. He's the one we're showcasing. Yeah, I do I hope think, that Kojo goes with him. Yeah, I think people are expecting or wishing that you know Harrison Barnes for some reason goes to Boston. You know, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I, I think McNair's smarter than that. I think he he realizes the the value of having you know NBA legitimate NBA talent on your team. Um, so I, I really believe it's Bealisa. You, you brought up something that was good. Um, I could see Bealisa getting packaged with Kojo and and McNair not really worrying about the return at all, and and just really clearing out that twelve million for next year. So that's that's a good take. I would hope that would happen. I mean that would be ideal. Um, it just sometimes depends on the receiver. I mean, I never thought that they would be able to get off of Deadman's contract last year without really sweetening it, and they didn't have to. Um, so you never know. There's always a team out there that that is just looking at what you got, and it works for them. For me to answer the question, what do I think he's going to do? You know, I've talked about what I want them to do, and um, here's what I think. I think that they can't – their death is already probably the worst in the league, so I don't really know what they could do to make that worse. So if anything, it's probably going to make it a little bit better. It kind of reminds me of last year where they had a lot of misfits in Ariza and Deadman, um, you know, and, and what they were able to do is go and get some guys in, in Alex Len and Kent Bazemore um, that could actually play in the rotation that weren't – that were basically off the roster at the end of the year, Right. I think that that's what they're going to do. Monty McNair, as a first-year GM taking over a quote-unquote poor franchise, all you all you can you want the most important thing is cap flexibility. When Vladdy took over the Kings, he traded Jason Thompson and member Nick Stauski as the pick swap. People get desperate when they're first years of GMs to get to gain cap flexibility, so they have the flexibility and the freedom to make moves in the next consecutive years. And because the Kings have that, they have expirings all over the board. I think they're going to be able to just kind of flip one or two guys, get some guys to fit in the rotation, fall off at the end of the year, and then really value this cap space as they close out the year. And with that, I'd be okay with that because, I, like I said, all, all this team really we really want is just to throw two or three guys on the bench that can get in and fit what they do and let them have at it. You know, let them have at it wherever the chips fall they fall. And for me, that's, the, I, I, I kind of, it's what I want him to do. And I hope he does. And and really because he's smart and he wants that cap flexibility, that's what I think he's going to do. I don't think he's going to go get a big time player to try to make a push or anything like that. So. I agree. I, I think he's smart. I think, you know, I'm sitting here looking at a Rashawn Holmes situation. Well, like what happened with, with bogey last year. Right. And we ended up not moving him at the deadline. And then he, we tried to do a sign and trade. It didn't work. He ended up walking. We lost an asset for nothing. 
you guys, are you looking at that situation at all? Like maybe we should be considering what we could get in return for him. Um, I don't know if McNair is, but I, I kind of think moving from the topic that we just talked about, that that might be one of the more likely things that could happen. Um, just from a, I'm afraid that he's going to walk at the end of the year. He's, this guy's never made a big contract in his entire NBA career. He's playing his best year of basketball ever. Is he going to try to get paid? I, I don't know. I think if Rashawn Holmes would have came out and had a career, career year, like you know, I'm talking 15 points a game, you know, nine, 10 rebounds. But in reality, he's averaging 12 points and, you know, 7.8 rebounds, which is right on with what he did last year. Um, and he, he started off real hot. You know, I, I know people love to point to the field goal percentage, but um, those numbers are going to come down. Okay. He, especially with Bagley um, here now, I, I expect those numbers to, to come down a little bit. So um, I don't think that McNair is worried about losing him for nothing. I don't think Rashawn Holmes um, is going to um, require a huge payday elsewhere. I think people see him for what he is, and that's a really good player. Um, who who has a role on a team, and uh, his his role on the team is to hustle and uh, you know fill in the gaps where people are lacking. So um, I, I don't think McNair's too worried about that at all. I said it on a couple episodes, KC. I think it's probably to me one of the most interesting storylines in the second part of this of the season is what's going to happen with him uh, because. I agree. If, if they've decided at this point, they know what the market's going to be. And if they know for sure, they're not going to sign him, then uh, why not? Yeah. Trade him because you don't want to lose him for nothing and you can get back something. Um, if they, if they want to still test it out and they think they have a chance to resign him um, at, at the number that they want and they can't fill his role on the roster, then I agree that they're going to keep him. Um, you know, I, I, at, at this point, it's gone a little bit differently going into the season with Whiteside, and 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 they they don't have any other else in the front court, so it's it's turned it into a little bit more of a of a tricky situation than I thought going into the year. That's why my take has changed on it, but it's definitely something to keep an eye open for. So, um, hey guys, we appreciate everybody listening in, and we do appreciate all of you in Kingsland who interacted with us and threw us the questions. We do appreciate everybody. Um, interacting on there you can join that facebook page share it with your friends let us know it's the fastest growing page on facebook it's awesome join our game thread game threads and interact with us anytime so if you ever want to find me and ryan you can find us on twitter and and facebook at kingscast eric kingscast ryan and then to stay up to date with the podcast you can check us out anywhere at kingscast and we want to thank casey again for coming in bring him in next month always having a good time with him on so with that for ryan this is eric Go Kangs. Kangs. This episode was brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop, 209's headiest smoke shop. Follow them on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209 for a view of all of their awesome inventory.